There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Sonic Microphone, on. Hello everyone and welcome to the Pod Doctors on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast on the BBC series Doctor Who. I'm Sean Fangirl-S. And I'm Steve and tonight we'll be discussing series 12, episode 8 of Doctor Who. Yay, this one was so good, I loved it because it was different but definitely Who. Oh, absolutely, and the twist that it took was amazing. Yes, so... Some of you may have remembered that I mentioned about the Doctor Who Build-A-Bear that was strictly UK last episode. It is now available in the US, and I have one on the way. So (laughs) it is so cute. Definitely check them out. No, we're not affiliated with Build-A-Bear. I just think it's so adorable that you can get either 10 or what number is Jodie now? Is she 13? Yes. I'm like, I feel like the numbers are like so high now. So it's so cute. You can get either one. and. You can, if you're getting the 10th Doctor, they have nerdy glasses that aren't part of this because you can get them with the 3D glasses, but you can get his little nerdy specs if you wanted to go that route instead. (laughs) Just throwing that out there. Yes, it's adorable. I'm a nerd. All right. Unbearable. (laughs) Unbearably adorable. All right. Now for real news. Steve, you have ratings for us. Yes, episode 12 brought in a 0.12 in adults 18 to 49 with 0.530 million viewers, making it the 75th rated cable show for the day. Apparently that Sunday had a lot of people watching TV for some reason because we got back over half a million and we fell to 75th. So so weird. Yeah. But, all right, episode 8, oh my gosh, The Haunting of Villa Diorati? Yep. I'm like, am I saying that right? <laughs> in 1816, Lord Byron and the Shelleys prepare for a night of ghost stories. This sounds so awesome. So supposedly, this is supposed to be a huge night, and the doctor's like, let's do this. And I love it because everybody except the doctor, of course, is in costume. Yeah. They found the wardrobe. I love how they find it sometimes. Right. <laughs> it's like, apparently not all the time it's needed. They just look at you weird. But let's start. In 1816, Lord Byron was holed up in a lakeside villa in Switzerland. And while trapped inside by the dismal weather, 
he challenged a group of friends. Oh, God. I'm not going to be able to say all of these names because I always screw up names. John Polidori, Percy Shelley, Claire Claremont, and the future Mrs. Shelley, Mary Goodwin, to invent the most chilling horror story they can imagine. Dun, dun, dun. Cue the lightning and the horror. Right. Rain. Yes, thunder. and <laughs> The late night ghost story became what's widely considered to be the first true science fiction novel. And when the Dr. Graham, Yaz, and Ryan plan a trip to 1816, they hope to witness the moment of Mary's invention. And come on, have we figured this out? Well, the doctors managed to warn everybody, don't mention Frankenstein. Don't interfere and don't kiss Byron. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently he is notoriously promiscuous. Uh, Yes. That wandering eye was very evident, which I thought was kind of funny and kind of... Creepy. (laughs) Yeah. Especially the way it all played out at the end. So thankfully it worked out. But. Byron Mary and her stepsister Claire exchanged gossip with the new guests who happened to show up on the door. I love it that they're like, oh yes, please just come in. Thanks for letting me in. It's storming. It's horrible. And our carriage was not parked very close. No. Side eye to the doctor. <laughs> Graham complains about that. I love that though. It's like, she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Which makes me wonder, because the way everything progressed, where the heck were they? They just happened to find an opening? Well, I'm sure that villa's on a large piece of land. Oh, okay. It just seems odd. Like, the way everything kind of played out. Like, okay, is there a dome? What's happening? It just, things weren't progressing to the point of, I guess, like, the the big reveal. Right. Think. Okay. I love how Graham like, excuses himself for the laboratory, and nobody mentions anything about that word. No. He just wanders off. And he does manage to scare, I don't know, the maid, the nanny. I'm not quite sure what her title would have right, been. Right, probably point. nanny. The one who happened to have Mary's child. And he, of course, didn't mean it. And the woman is going on in a foreign language, which I don't know. even. What, I think she was speaking French. Right. I think so, too. And was it her or Graham that happened to see another woman and a young child at that point? That was Graham. Okay. Just like, oh, okay. Hey, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) All the weirdness that started to happen. And I love the play with the light and the shadow. Yeah. And using, of course, the the flashes of lightning. I thought that was great how they did it. It's like, okay, yeah, getting you into the real, like, haunted house vibe and oh absolutely yes i was going back was it matt smith's run when they did like the haunted house like that yeah and kind of the similar situation where you had like the lightning where you see something and then you didn't i'm like okay i love how they just keep bringing it back and it may be an old trope to some people but it works yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's like because it's perfect where you could do it in a single shot, you, you don't have to pull the camera away. It's like, they're not there. They're there because of the play of the light and the dark. And I know it's stupid. Like, how exciting I felt about this goofy little moment. But then you have other things that kind of jump <laughs> out at you. It's like, oh, God. Because when you had, like, the hand, I thought it was some weird finger spider thing. Right. 
Because <laughs> it like suddenly breaks out from a painting and I'm like, what is this? What does this mean? Right. And it was just like behind it. So it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't what I was thinking. Like I'm going to a whole different level of horror movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> but as it, it's progressing, the hand is moving its way downstairs. I mean, we end up seeing it on a wall, like above Yaz's head and she doesn't notice it because she's in a hallway and we see it coming down the ha- hallway, like on the carpet and nobody notices. And then next thing we know, Ryan's like, what is that? And the hand, like, jumps at his throat. It's a hand. (laughs) And again, it's like, oh, my God, why does this weird thing work as, like, a horror genre? I love it. Yes. And then things really get a little funky because he manages to wrestle it off his throat and he throws it. And the butler smashes it. And I, I love it because for some reason, I just thought back, I don't know why, to Pretty Woman, when the <laughs> one waiter grabs a snail as it comes flying. Right. It just was a weird flashback for me. <laughs> but as he, he hits it with like a tray and it explodes. And what does the doctor do? The doctor does what the doctor always does. Yep. Hastes it. Yeah. I just keep thinking... I'm like, has this happened with every doctor in New Who? Now, I don't remember nine tasting anything weird, but nine or ten, actually, I don't remember either. Ten it had to. I would think. I just, yeah. it's not popping up. <laughs> and Matt Smith was always picking things. <laughs> and this was just funny. And I love it because they're like, did she, did she just? just? They're all looking at her like, what is happening? <laughs> You're a doctor, you say? <laughs> yeah. And this is when it's like, not any kind of doctor we know. But she just says something so obvious. It's like, oh, there's skeletons here. And I'm thinking, okay, she doesn't mean literally. And yet Byron's like, I do have some skeletons in my closet. It's like, what? (laughs) Okay. Again, figurative, right? No. We're actually talking about skeletons. I'm like, is this like an army of darkness? Where are we going with this? Yeah, is this something Lord Byron's doing to take everybody out? You're getting a very much a <laughs> a vibe of nobody's going to make it out alive. Yes. I don't like, did you guys just showing up here throw everything off? What is it? Right. And well, yeah. we get to hear a scream because the maid who was checking on the baby sees a skeleton and oh let's split up everyone to figure out what's going on all right anytime they do this i'm like who is not coming back right and especially in something like this but instead we get kind of scooby-doo moments happening yes (laughs) especially with the doctor because we had mary yaz and ryan stuck on a loop that was on the stairs right the doctor Byron and Claire, Claire in, in his room. room. Yeah. And Doctor keeps going out the door and back in. I'm like, I just want the Scooby Doo theme. Yes. And you have Graham watching the one guy who all of a sudden got all moody and wanted to have a duel with Ryan. I'm right. Like, what is happening? And I love it. He's <laughs> like, he doesn't sleep. I'm like, you know what? I don't sleep either. I'm not about to have a duel with everybody because right. I got in a snit. <laughs> Although, hey, maybe people would stop getting like an attitude. You never know. 
Right. There's something I should try. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to put that in the back pocket. i think about that later. <laughs> but Scooby-Doo moment's happening, and suddenly the doctor is able to figure out what's happening. Why? Because the guy that Graham was watching got up and started sleepwalking and walked right through the wall. Right. Like, wait, what? Yeah, he walked out the wall where Graham was and in through the wall where the doctor was. Right. And we had, again, a, a 10 moment because they're using the fireplace to talk to each other. I'm like, Madam Pompadour, what is happening? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, am I the only one that is just getting all these little like throwback feels? I don't know. I'm thinking he did it on purpose to throw back to Russell T. Davies, but I could be wrong. No, I, this episode had quite a few throwbacks. I just loved how, how it was all kind of happening and coming together. Yes. Everyone's able to kind of sort of figure out the perception filter then after the doctor's like, close your eyes. There's things there that shouldn't be there. And there's things that are not there that should be. And they're able to figure it out by really not using your eyes. And it's very, can you see the forest for the trees kind of thing. Right. Like, okay, I get it. And actually, after this, I happened to do a paint night last night, and my Eiffel Tower looks like a Dalek. And <laughs> I sucked. But all I can see now, weirdly, is a Dalek. And I'm thinking, my perception filter was way off here. Yeah. <laughs> I wish somebody just a little. Mine. But <laughs> I'm just like very in a Doctor Who moment, and I can't get out. So maybe I should close my eyes and try again. Right. <laughs> we do all get back together, <laughs> but they see something outside. And we find out that Shelley had left the villa earlier because of headaches, which I can relate, because he thought he'd seen something, a demon from hell, floating above the water, which, what is happening? What is it some weird aliens doing this? Right. And, of course, Byron's thinking he went off to go have a snog with somebody else, a local, apparently. Right. Because that's what Byron would be. <laughs> <laughs> but we kind of see what the heck Shelley had seen. Yeah, it looked humanoid, at least. Looked like it had a body, but you really couldn't make anything else out. Right. And so, hey, when you look at it through the filter of the 1800s, yes, it's a demon from hell because it's like lighting up and it's floating above the water. Right. So I can get how freaked out they were. And it just gets worse because it starts getting closer. And as we're watching this, I'm like, oh, so did this have to happen in order for Frankenstein to come to life, so to speak? Right. In the mind of Mary Shelley. But it just gets stranger. Yeah. Because we end up seeing that it's a lone Cyberman. And I'm like, okay, so this is what Jack warned us about. Right. But at one point, he ends up picking up Mary's baby and doesn't, like, do the normal, I don't know, we're going to change you into a Cyberman. But I'm thinking, would they do that to a baby? But he seemed almost kind, which I thought was really strange. Of like, all right, what is happening? Maybe it's right. because they need them to be older in, in order to change them. I mean, that makes sense, but 
did you get the feel where it was almost kind? Because it's like, what did he say? Like, you won't feel any more pain or something like that? Right. Which, uh, again, I got a Battlestar Galactica thing there. Right. Yeah, it was weird to see this Cyberman. We've seen the Mondasian and we've seen the regular ones, but this one wasn't completely Cyberman. Right. It looked like they hadn't stripped away all his humanity yet. And we did see half his face. It's like it wasn't right. complete anyway. Yeah. But again, like even the whole look of the Cyberman, I'm like, what? It just didn't look like any Cyberman we've ever seen. No. It's like, it's- is it almost like super pieced together like Frankenstein? Oh, absolutely. Because but even like, it's not the armor, but like their outer... Yeah, I'm going to just say armor. It, right. it didn't even seem like any Cybermen we've ever seen. No. So they're changing everything. Right. And yeah. He, this is kind of like the first Cybermen. You think like the first? I'm thinking it was almost like reemergence. Hmm. And I say yeah, that, that because be. like Classic Who had Cybermen. Right. And they looked kind of like the Tin Man. Well, that's true. So that's why I'm like, this is so strange. And we've seen it with Bill. And we've right. seen it when they were on, yeah, with Missy. And like the differences, how they were at that point and how they upgraded as right. they went up higher in the ship. So this one just seemed so strange. It was very bulky. And again, I'm probably reading way too much into it. <laughs> but the fact that it's the lone Cyberman and he remembered his name and he mentions that things are unfinished. And they'll come back. And I'm like, did the Cybermen essentially die out at one point? And somehow, somebody in their infinite stupidity, because I'm not saying infinite wisdom. Right. <laughs> managed to kind Put of... Put one back together. Yeah. Because yeah. even Handles seemed different. And we know right. that the doctor reprogrammed Handles, but it was something else. I am reading way too much into it, but I really like how it kind of had my gears going in a whole different direction with it. So, again, I'm probably all alone in my thinking here. <laughs> and let me come back now that I went on, like, a two-minute, like, rant of nothing. <laughs> anyway, we find out this Cyberman remembers his name and remembered that he had a family. Right. Which that I thought was strange because, again, thinking back to Ten's run, when David Morrissey was in it, and we had right. the woman who was like the Cyber King. Yep. And how she remembered things. I'm like, how does he remember? But he remembered he killed that, which really, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. But this man is really messed up because he's snarling and angry and stomping, and he just wants his target. And are you the guardian? The guardian of what? Yeah. But somehow there's just the teeniest bit of emotion that Mary Shelley, even though she wasn't Shelley yet, is able to grab onto because yep. she confronts Ashad and he stops. Like if yeah. he was even, I'd say, 5% more Cyberman, he wouldn't have stopped. Oh, no. And she is fascinated and you see her gears turning. Yeah. Like, what kind of Prometheus are you? Mm. And Oh, I'm like, oh, there goes there goes the Frankenstein story right there. Exactly. Forming, and I loved it. Because no matter what she did, though, to appeal to his humanity, 
she realizes there's just not enough there. Right. And she does tell them, listen, we need to save Shelly, but we need to stop him. And the doctor's like, I have to give him what he wants. And everyone's like, no, that's exactly what Jack said not to do. And I love it because the doctor's like, yeah, we need to figure out something. Because when we had first seen Percy Shelley, he was like a shell of a man because he did not realize that he had absorbed, I don't even know what they called it. Siberium. Yes. And Mary's like, no, this is still the man I love. This is still my baby daddy. Right. we can fix this. But the doctor's looking like, I don't know if we can fix this, but I guess we're going to have to try. And it gets weirder. Like, because... I don't think what happens next has ever been discussed. Okay. I mean, has it when you think back? No. Because we have them searching for technology. So that's like, what is this? I thought the Cybermen were just, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like connected, like, like the Borg. Right. And yeah, apparently this Siberium is a conscious being. And because it happens to be a, a liquid it could infuse itself into all the Cybermen and control them all at the same time. So I kind of got the a feel of the Daleks with their one commander. Oh, okay, yeah, I I get that. I like that. And now, how of course, it's a it major was real thing, right? Yes, that that's the entire Cybermen intelligence, mm-hmm. a database. That's the word I was looking for. Yes, that can do strategy and all that. So, do you think this was similar, again, throwback, to when Rose looked in the heart of the TARDIS, or when Donna absorbed, like, the Gallifreyan knowledge as well? Oh, very much similar to him, to both of them. And it was curious that because if the Cyberman gets his hands on it, it it would lead to the death of billions of people, and the fam wonders, well... We got to let him go because we can't. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. And the doctor turns on them and just bites their head off. Oh my gosh. I had not seen the doctor get to that level of. She wasn't exactly angry, but it was. Damn scolding, close. Scolding. Yes, very scolding. Because we haven't heard Jody's doctor do that. Right. Now we heard Capaldi do it a, a couple of times. Right. But the fact saying, oh, you think we're, oh, God, how did she put it? You think we're, like, all even, but it's a pyramid, and I'm so far above you making having to make these decisions. I was like, damn. Yeah. Like, it was rough. And after seeing what we seen last episode with Ryan and Yaz kind of discussing, like, should we even stay? Right. And you see this, I'm like, this might push them away. It absolutely might. And that's scary because I don't feel like Jody. Well, I'm going to say Jody just because 13, whatever. That 13 would do great by herself. We've seen some of the other ones travel by themselves and they kind of slip into the depression. But I think 13, especially with what happened with the master. Right. I don't think she'd make it. No, I agree with you there. She's got to have somebody that can keep her fairly level. Yes. And on task. Right. Now, of course, the doctor decides to save Shelly. And 
amazing that she made his brain think he was dying. So, of course, the Siberian says, well, can't stay here. That was messed up. Yeah. Because then how do you react to knowing your future death? Or do you hope that he's not going to remember that? Right. Which it turns out that was actually how Shelley died, was drowning. Really? I did not yes. know that. So, and then we have a l- interesting little battle between the Siberian Ashad and the doctor. And this is what I think is key in this whole story is it went to the doctor. Yes. And you kind of go, that's awful damn curious how something that is so much the essence of who the Cybermen are would actually choose the doctor over one of its own. (gasps) Oh, my God. So it, oh, wait. Okay, so obviously this literally just hit me. Right. Let's see if you're going to go exactly where I went with it. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, like, do, oh, my God. So are we thinking that the, oh, oh God, the people in charge of Gallifrey, the High Council, created Siberium and essentially created the Cybermen? Ooh, now I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, that could be very possible. I thought that's where you were going. So No, I'm going <laughs> a completely different direction and where, because the Doctor and the Siberian merged, that either she was able to change it slightly, which will end up giving her an advantage in the future in this huge battle that we're about to have. Ooh, okay. Or there will be enough of her inside the Siberium, which will allow her to defeat it. Oh, that's... Because of her humanity. That's interesting. See, I wasn't thinking that because... I still have Timeless Child in my head. Right. I'm thinking, okay, if they created it, what if somehow the Siberian is the quote-unquote Timeless Child? Right. That would be awesome. But I just hit me, like, as we were talking. (laughs) So it's like tinfoil. Seriously, people, that was total tinfoil hat. Like, Yes. I would not take anything we say for, like, Oh, this is definitely going to happen because we have zero knowledge. Yes. And no spoilers, theories only. That was totally, (laughs) take that with not even a grain of salt. Take it with a whole salt quarry because like, (laughs) it's one of those things that as you talk it out, like all of a sudden it comes to you. And if that's what it is, oh my God, that would be so awesome. But what, what if both of our theories are correct? Right. Because she's involved, that somehow it's like this weird loop. But how does that even explain the other doctor that we've seen? Right. Which it still doesn't. So I know. (laughs) We have not come up with a good, a a really good theory. Now I had mine that when they stopped the war doctor, it split. But we haven't gotten any confirmation of that being good or bad yet. Maybe we will in the two-part finale. I can't believe we're already getting to the finale, but we're not even done with this episode, so let's not jump too far. (laughs) Well, we did have some other really nice things about this episode. We met Lord Byron, and if you think back to episode one and two, Spyfall, 
we got to meet his daughter, Ada Lovelace. What? Yes. Oh, my God. Actual daughter. Now, of course, if you base everything on Byron's uselessness in the face (laughs) of danger, it seems like Ada is much smarter and more capable than her father. (laughs) That is really interesting because I had no idea. Yeah. And, of course... In the episode, when they arrive at the villa, she flashes the psychic paper at him, and they kind of look at her like, so? And the doctor suggests that the rain had shorted out the paper. But it could be the same vibe making the doctor's head feel fuzzy was already affecting the psychic paper as well, and it could be the perception filters interfering with its usual effect. But! If you go back to 2007's The Shakespeare Code, it was revealed that psychic paper doesn't work on genius-level intellects. So with the likes of Byron and Shelley around, perhaps it was a bit of a wasted effort anyway. Oh my gosh. Like, I did not remember any of that in regards to the genius level. So like, they were all geniuses or the perception filter. I love that it could be either or. Right. Now, the actual competition that Lord Byron presented to them actually occurred over several nights and not just a single night. And all the relationships in the episode were actual. Claire did have a crush on Lord Byron and actually was carrying his baby at the time. What? Yes. Oh, my God. Even though they never did get together. And several actual poems of Lord Byron were used in the episode. Now, was that final poem that he read his actual poem? Yes. I loved how it worked so well then with implying that he wrote it about the doctor. Right. But it wasn't. It was actually. And the other thing that was about this was the weather was actually caused by an eruption a volcano eruption in India. I was actually going to ask if that was a like a real thing. Yes. Oh it my God. was a real thing. And the, in 1816, things got a whole lot worse for everybody. There was fear that everything was going to die and people were going to start becoming cannibals. And it was just bad time to be in, in Europe those few years. History is so much more interesting. Like... And I know this sounds stupid, but when you see it and, right. and then you realize, wait, this is real to go back to, to research it, then it's just so I find it so much more interesting because something goofy like this, it's like, oh, I would have never known that all of this stuff was like reality that that he was, well, messed around with that girl. Yeah. <laughs> and Ada Lovelace, it was, I did not know any of this. Now, granted, American history. What we learn in school is not exactly what we're going to find super interesting, like little right. facts like this. Because this is almost like a, yeah, was um 19th century, like soap opera happening. Right. Absolutely. And maybe it's the way I grew up. So yeah, like <laughs> having to learn about it that way, it's like, oh, give me a little bit of a story and then I can go and learn about it. This is so interesting, though, and it's like, oh my gosh, I did not know that all of this happened, and it takes Doctor Who to give me a history lesson. (laughs) Very entertaining history lesson. Yes, absolutely it was, and it was, I have to take my hats off to the writers for 
actually digging into the research and making this almost as close as the real occurrence. That's amazing, guys. It was just, oh my gosh. I really like how they kind of weaved this all together. Yes, absolutely. And really gave amazing us yeah, a big episode. And yeah, this got the excitement level up again going into the two-part finale, that's for sure. I'm so very depressed that we're already to the end. I know. Well, and we do have some feedback. Yes. Mr. Rob Cox sent in the following in four parts. Part one, a story about ghosts is not the same as a ghost story. And being ghosted out of relationships is how my partnerships usually end. Part two, I saw. I saw a soul in a dead man's brain hitched to a Cyberman that went insane. Part three, Cyberman, Cyberman, he's so vicious. To the future, he'll kill with ominous deliciousness. (laughs) And part four, I really have no idea what is happening in this series. I missed the first seven episodes, and now I feel like my mind is out of tune and I need some cold discomfort or something. Yeah, good cold brew will take care of that real quick there, uh, Rob. (laughs) I'm intrigued, and I want to know how this plays out. The episode was quite disjointed. Eh, Not if you knew the whole story. But it was interesting enough to have me wanting more. And I really wanted the Cyberman to kick that baby. (laughs) Really, Rob? Okay, that, that might be a little too far. Yeah. And he signs out, all for now, all I know, this is the end, Rob Cox. Okay, so first of all, Rob, thank you for being talented enough to come up with, like, these little poems. Yes. Because it works so well, and I would have <laughs> never thought of anything like this. Yeah, kicking the baby. Babies <laughs> are always, or I should say children, I always find creepy in a lot of these shows. Yes. Yeah, I couldn't kick the baby. Unless it was no. a little zombie baby, then maybe. Right. But now the skeleton baby, yeah, if it <laughs> yeah. crawled out of its crib and started after people, yeah, yeah that yeah. that one you can kick. <laughs> yeah. But thank you for finding us since we had a, a small move, which yes. is gonna happen again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're moving everywhere. But thank you for your feedback because that's awesome and I can't believe you jumped in and missed the first seven episodes though. So hey, I can imagine being a little bit confused, but you know how Doctor Who is. There's like a big, big arc that goes through the whole thing, but you can kind of pick up everywhere. Right. So I don't know. Go back and watch it and then you'll you'll catch up. But at least you picked a really good episode to jump into. Yes, absolutely. Well, thanks again, Rob. Thanks. Well, why don't you do like Rob and let us know how you feel? You don't have to do poems. <laughs> Not required. I I don't know if anyone could do as well as Rob has done in the poem department. But hey, if we have another Lord Byron out there that wants to shoot us something, please shoot us an email at thepoddoctors at gmail.com, or you can shoot us an email at contact us. Either way, we want to hear from you. So if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing us on iTunes and every other platform you find us on, because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends about Doctor Who. I'm sure you have. But you know what? Why don't you tell us what your favorite episode is? New Who? Classic Who? However you want to go. Because 
I want to know which one you tell your friends. You have to watch this one. This one is amazing. And then you can watch the rest of the series. Yeah. We, of course, hope you're enjoying the ep- our podcast episodes. <laughs> and, oh my gosh, we found out Terry Tardis will be back soon. Yay! Yes. He was a little off track and ended up in an alternate universe, so it's taken him a little bit to get back to us. Right, but he will be back for the two-parter finale. So, for this episode of The Pod Doctors, I am Sean Fangirlass. And I'm Steve. Sometimes this team structure isn't flat. It's mountainous, with me at the summit left to choose. And until next time.